fantastic. Uh, John chapter 7. You know, last week I, I, I actually watched Brandon's sermon. He preached the word last week. He did a, did a great job there really helping us to see how people were missing the connection with Jesus. Uh, they, even his own family was missing the connection. And then this, this, uh, this Feast of the Tabernacles, Brandon described it. This is the time whenever the people are celebrating how God led them through the desert. And it was all about this opportunity to look to God and all that God provided for those many years as they were led through the desert. It really is incredible how God led them at, at, you know, by the fire at night and by the smoke during the day and gave them exactly what they needed, when they needed it, where they needed it. Sometimes, sometimes it didn't go quite so well. Uh, go and read the story. They, they, they grumbled sometimes, just like we do. Uh, you know, we, they grumbled when the food wasn't that good or when there was no water. Or, or man, I, I, really, I really miss those pots of meat we had in slavery in Egypt. I mean, they were so short-sighted. But, but here's this tabernacle. Come and celebrate who God is and how God has provided over the years. And now, and Jesus told them, I'm not going with you. It's not my time yet. And he waits. And they go on, and about halfway through the, the feast is where we pick up in verse 14. It says, not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Let's pray together. Father, it is amazing to see that Your Word speaks so clearly to our hearts. Sometimes we don't hear it. Sometimes our eyes and minds and hearts are not open to it. But God, I pray that today and right now at this moment, these next few minutes, that we would be focused and, and hearing what you have to say. God, help us to do your will in our lives, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the will of God? Who here has ever asked themselves that question? What is the will of God? We've all, we all, I, think, I think most all of us, if you're, if you're here today, maybe you came here today to ask yourself, what is the will of God for my life? And I wish I could say, this is exactly what it is in terms of what you're going to do. Now, the will of God is actually quite clear in the Scriptures. How to live, we're going to talk about that. You know, we, 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 we and I, whenever we were here, we were here about 11 years ago. We lived here, we moved away from here in 2008. And actually, we, we actually tried to leave here in 2006. Not that we wanted to leave here, but we wanted to serve. We thought it was God's will for us to serve somewhere else. 
uh, in 2006. And all of you are doing the math, like, what, what are you talking about, 2006? No, we actually did put it, put it out there. We actually tried to go to New Zealand in 2006. And, in, and, and, and to serve there, we interviewed over the, over the phone. And, and, uh, and, and, and then in, in the fall of that year, they called, or I called them the most expensive phone call I've ever made in my life. Um, it was in a hotel. It was two minutes. It cost $100. It was awful. And it was a denial. No, you can't come to New Zealand. Um, so that's, that's a whole other thing. But we thought, okay, well, it must be the will of God for us to go to Australia. Because the guy I was with was Australian. Like, yeah, okay, Corey, just come to Australia. We'll work it out. You can go to this other city and go to Australia. It'll be great. And then we couldn't go to Australia. Okay, fine. Now, how about, how about Northern Virginia? There was, a, there was a slot open at one point in Stafford. We'll interview there. Interviewed there twice. No, thank you. We don't want you. No, you can't. They didn't say it like that, but that's how it ended up going. They were much, they were much kinder than that. Cincinnati. Interview in Cincinnati. Nope, sorry, that's not going to work. I finally said, okay, God, you've made your will clear. We're staying here, and I'm never interviewing for a job ever, ever again. If, if somebody wants me somewhere, they'll just ask me. And, and, and in 2008, we were actually asked to go to Richmond. That was, that was how all that happened over those two years. And, and God made it clear. God's will became clear. And actually, as life progressed, when our family went through some really serious challenges in 2010, I look back with such gratitude because I realized if we had done any of those things, if we'd gone to New Zealand or Australia for that matter, and then had to go through what we did in 2010, it would have been, it would have been awful. And I don't even know if I'd be here today. You know, we weren't actually supposed to be here a year ago, two years ago. We weren't supposed to be here. We were, we were actually supposed to move from London, move to Richmond, and, and be in Richmond for, for whoever knows how long. And then one day, we were on our way out. We were less than a month out. Uh, well, actually, whenever, whenever the Stevensons decided to move to, to, uh, to, to California, uh, they, I, got a, I got a message from my friend Brian Terrell. He was the first person to reach out to me and say, Hey, Corey, there's an opening on the peninsula. Why don't you come here? That was the first person. Brian was the first one. And I never really heard anything after that. And then, and then, and then, we were on our way to Richmond. All of our stuff is in the container on a ship on its way to Richmond. And I talked to Ed. Hey, Ed, how's that search for somebody on the peninsula going? And he said, it's, nothing's, nothing's happening. I said, well, I'll be praying for you. I love the peninsula. That's our family. <laughs> uh, and his next text was, you should come. The people are awesome. It is a great building. I thought... I never even considered it. No one had ever talked to us about it. I, I think they were, I, I appreciated that there was a, you know, they knew we were going to Richmond. There was no, but, but, then, but then it became clear in my mind, wait a second, Richmond is going to be staffed heavily, and the peninsula, these are, this is my home. This is where our children were born here. We got married here. We know so many of you from so many years ago. This must be the will of God. And then we got back in town, and some of the family wasn't quite as happy as I was, as, and my wife was, and, and, and it, it, it took a lot, but then, then God worked it out. We couldn't come, and then last year, amen, we're, we're here, and we are so happy to be here. But I believe it was the will of God that guided all of those things. Now, did, did he make it clear at first? No, he didn't. 
because that doesn't always happen. But we all want to know what the will of God is. And here we see Jesus, we know Jesus was doing the will of God from the very beginning. He didn't have a difficult time discerning God's will because he was God. God had given him the, the, the message to speak, and, and he was doing it and teaching the people in this passage. And this passage actually is a fulfillment of Malachi chapter 3. If you can look at, uh, don't, don't turn there, I've got it right here. There, Malachi chapter 3, it says, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? When, when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. This is what's fulfilled here, because he pretty much set the place on fire. Not physically speaking, but spiritually speaking. He was, he was ready to, he, he was lighting it up for people and was unafraid to speak the truth. And, they, and, and their response was, it, it says here back in chapter 7, the Jews were amazed and asked, how did this get such learning without having studied? They weren't focused on the message. You know what he said was awesome. This is Jesus. He, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he never spoke empty words. And he preached, the, he, he, he shared, he taught. And yet the people said, where is his rabbi? Where is his rabbi? Because in their minds, a rabbi was all about credibility. And if someone's teaching and doesn't have a rabbi to, to paste the name to, then there's, a, then there's, a, there's something missing. And actually, in, in, in the Talmud, which is the commentary on the law, it is said that the person who studied the Scriptures and even the Mishnah, but yet did not attend upon rabbinical scholars, is no better than one of the people of the land who are cursed because they do not keep the law with the strictness of the Pharisees. That was their attitude. Somebody who didn't have, who, 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 who lacked uh, a, a rabbi next to them. Now, they were, they were amazed at his teaching, but it wasn't a good amazement. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, he's so incredible. It was more, more amazement in a ne from a negative uh, 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 direction. You know? And, 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 and they, were, they missed the purpose of his preaching. Sometimes, sometimes we've done that, haven't we? You hear a message, and, and in our mind, we're thinking about that person that needs to hear what's being said. And, and or you're nudging your spouse, you know, you're kind of giving them the elbow, over, you know, for the marriage. You you kind of listen up, listen to what he's saying now. Did you hear that? And you actually, what was being said was meant for you, but you missed it. They missed what Jesus was saying, and and their amazement didn't amaze them. Like, oh my goodness, this is from God. It was more like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? The whole time, what was the festival for? The festival was to get them to look to God. And they were missing the point. And Jesus responds to their amazement and their question. And he doesn't dispute the need for a rabbi. In fact, the way that his argument goes is actually the way a rabbi would argue and make an argument. And, and, and he, he, he does, he, but he says, I, I got a rabbi for you. God in heaven is my rabbi. That's effectively what he was saying. That, that, that the ultimate teacher is who, I, who, who taught me, and, and in fact, 
who I am. I have one point for you today. Just do it. Just do it. This is the this brand is this 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 checkmark actually did it like is this copywritten? If it's copywritten, I apologize to Nike. It's it's worth twenty-six billion dollars. That logo. So if I'm not supposed to use it, I apologize. If you're a if you are a, I tried to look, is it copywritten? Just have a check mark up there. I don't think it is. It's I'm not using it to sell shoes. Um You've seen the shoes that are the off-market shoes that have like a check mark with a curl on the end, you know. They have some that they, the check mark's in the wrong direction. And they're like trying to pass them off as Nike shoes, but they cost about a dollar, you know. And they're, just do it. I actually have a video I thought would, would encourage us to, to just do it. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit. And you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. <laughs> the the gospel according to Shia LaBeouf. Um, he's, he's changed a lot since that, since that movie, Holes. Uh, that's how I, I still remember from Holes. Uh, no. I, so, I just, that was a little comic relief there. But, you know, Jesus here, he's, he's, talking, he's talking to these religious people who believed they were doing the will of God. They believed, they believed with all their heart that they were defending the law, so they said. That they were protecting the name of God by, by wanting to kill Jesus. Actually, the, 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 the sentence of death was, was upon someone who came and, and, and mistaught, that, that came and taught false prophecies. But according to Jewish law, you can go into the Old Testament and see that when they, if they brought the false doctrine, they actually, it was punishable by death, by being stoned and separated, you know, killed. So according to their way of thinking, they were justified by wanting to kill Jesus. But they were, they were defending the law. They were, they, 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 but, but they had missed the point. They had been called to the priesthood or to serve in the Sanhedrin to do the will of God. What, what in fact was the will of God for the nation of Israel? Well, let's be. Let, let me remind you what it was. In Genesis chapter 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make, you, make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you 
and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is the purpose. When you go and look in the New Testament call of uh, Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations. It is perfectly in line with God's will for Israel from the beginning and for you and I if you're following Jesus today. That was their call, but they had lost sight of the will of God. Their laws and all the extra things that they had created, the hedge around the law, they had become their gods. They had lost the heart. They had lost the heart connection to God. I believe the call to do God's will is the same for us today as it was at that time. That the will of God is obvious in scriptures. He tells us exactly how to do what we need to do, where to go. Now, the, 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 where, where it's not quite so clear is that question. Where should I go? Where should I move? Where should I work? These kinds of questions, those are the ones that were like, okay, what is the will of God? I do believe the Bible can give us some guidance in those as well. But here, here Jesus, in this text, Jesus shows us a few examples of what it looks like to do the will of God. And he's here, in this text he says, someone who chooses to do the will of God will understand whether my teaching is from God or whether it's from man. Basically, just do it, and you'll figure it out. It'll become very clear. How, how different would we all be? How different would our lives be, would our church be, if we, if we simply did the will of God every day? How different would you be? And it would be clear. We, and we have the, the other side. We know we believe it's from Jesus. If you're following Jesus today, you believe that, that, that who Jesus is and what he's done. But are you doing the will of God? A few, a few things that he does here. One is he, he speaks the truth. He doesn't back down. He points out the disobedience of those claiming to love God and obey his teaching. He challenges them on their desire to kill him. The people knew. They, 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 de they deny it, but just look. if you look a couple chapters back, whenever after he heals the man on the Sabbath, they're ready to kill him. They want to kill them. That's the plan. That, they, Jesus knew before going to the festival that there was a plot to kill him. That's why he didn't go down there. He went down in secret a little later. But he challenges their desire to kill him. He also challenges their disobedience to Moses' law. You know, the, 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 the rabbinic teachers, they, they trace their teaching back to Moses himself. So, so Jesus turns from defending himself to, to attacking their claims to Moses. You know, the foundation on, on which they were building was wrong. Moses gave them the law. He was the faithful teacher who passed on what he received from, from God, not caring for his own glory, but for the glory of the one who sent him. The issue is not with Moses and the law. It's with the opponents who did not keep the law. They missed the law. They missed that Moses' desire was for the people. He cared about the, 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 the people collectively. He cared about them and giving them what, they gave, what, what he gave them. And they missed it. And he challenged, Jesus challenged their, their misunderstanding of Moses and the law. In, uh, in, in, Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, because I, I, this whole idea of challenging those that are, that are doing wrong, that's something that we cannot run from. That we have to be willing to speak the truth to people. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 15, 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, For even if I made you grieve by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. And that grief led them to repentance. Paul was willing to speak the truth. Jesus was willing to speak the truth. Are you speaking the truth to people? When you see people living in a way, they claim to know Jesus, they claim to be a follower of Jesus, and yet their lives are not living in line with Jesus' word, are you speaking up? Are you being your brother or your sister's watchman? Ezekiel 33, go and study that on your own. Uh, but basically he says, if you, if you don't warn them of what is to come by the choices they're making, their blood will be on your head. If you speak up, though, it's on them. We've got to speak up. We cannot be afraid. Jesus was willing to speak this thing in front of, in front of all of the religious leaders. He said he spoke the truth in love. Grace and truth go hand in hand. And Jesus was full of both grace and truth. I think that where we go wrong is that we, we miss the balance. And we either are heavy on truth but struggling with grace or heavy on grace but, you know, questionable with truth. One, you get, you just become an ogre who's mean. And the other, the other you just become a hypocrite. That's the danger in those, those things. We've got to be strong in grace. Absolutely, we need God's grace. And oftentimes, when we're lacking it is when we need to give it the most. And we need, we need to be focused on the truth from the Scriptures and not afraid to speak up when people are not living according to it, especially those that are, that are among us. Those that you consider your brother or sister. They need you to speak up. Because if you don't, who's going to? Don't make the mistake of thinking, oh, somebody will say, them, say something. Because chances are everybody else is thinking the same thing. And then, and then nobody grows. I don't think that's our goal, is it? We all want to help each other do the will of God. You know, Another thing that, that Jesus did an incredible job of is he, he pointed people to God. He says in verse 16, he says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verse 18, he who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. That, are, you, are you a man or woman of truth that is pointing people to the truth source? Pointing people to God. You know, that he understood Jesus pointed people to God. He wanted them to look at God, see His life, and see God for how much God loved them. Are you pointing people to God like that? When they say, wow, you're really, you're really good, do you, do you give God honor? And I'm not saying how the, the professional athletes do that to, you know, kind of that token thing, and then their lives are crazy. I mean, I'm talking about really giving God honor by the way you live by the, by the way you point people to God. That you, 
when you get in a conversation with somebody that's not a believer, do you look for every opportunity to turn that conversation toward God without fear of, 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 of opposition? Looking for every, every chance. I'm going to turn every conversation. Let me, make that, let me give you that challenge this week. Choose, find someone to have a conversation with and turn the conversation toward God. And look for opportunities to give God glory where you might have otherwise taken that glory in the past. That you, you, you understand what I mean? Are you willing to do that? that, take, that take that challenge this week. Give God glory and point people to the Father. Another thing that he did is he, he made the wholeness of man the precedent. In verse, uh, in verse uh, 23, now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? So here, this whole idea of the Sabbath, and, 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 and he talks about, he, he shares this example that, about circumcision. There actually was allowance in the law for doing uh, uh, circumcision on the eighth day. Because they were required to be circumcised on the eighth day. There's actually a medical reason for all of that. But, but God did it, uh, set it all in place that way, so that on the eighth day they would have that procedure done. And the purpose of circumcision, you can go and study about it in, in the book of Genesis, and it's, it's, it's all about recognizing the covenant between God and his, and his people, and that covenant agreement. And basically, if, you, if they didn't have that done for the men, they would, they would, not be, they would actually be cast out from, from God. From the nation, so there was this. They would so so they gave the exception of doing uh, doing this on the Sabbath in order to keep the nation together. And and Jesus is trying to help them to see you you care so much about this one thing, keeping the nation together. But what about the people? What about this person who was who was hurting, who was suffering, and yet I I heal him on the Sabbath, and you have an issue with that. Jesus was focused on the whole person. That was what the purpose of the Sabbath was. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what Jesus had said. But they had made it, it was about the day. What did, you, what did God do on the seventh day in creation? He rested. That's where, the, that's where the whole idea of the Sabbath came from. It was for rest. It was not to command rest, although it, it, in some ways it was, but, but they had made it such a legalistic obligation to the extent where someone could die or continue to suffer and miss the chance of getting well? Jesus says, you've missed the point. He was concerned about the wholeness of the people, which is what we are called to if you are following Jesus today. Our call is to be concerned about the wholeness of people, about people becoming complete in 2 Timothy Chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul writes that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In James 1.4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Lacking in nothing, this version says. That, that, that completeness, that is Jesus' goal. That should be our goal as well, that we help people Find completeness. That, that, 
Jesus, why did Jesus come? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He was looking for people that, that, were, that, that were empty, that were desiring of something greater and direction, or were consumed with the world. He was looking for anyone that was seeking. He interrupted their lives to do it. Are you willing to interrupt people's lives? Are you willing to speak up and to, and to be concerned about the whole person? As a follower of Jesus, and I, I tell you this conviction has become greater as I study the Bible with more and more people and we, we look at the discipleship study and we see how Jesus did and we see the call of following Jesus. I, 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 as I study it with people more and more, I think, man, how about the 200 or so that are here with us today? that are here in part, part of the congregation, that are, that are disciples of Jesus Christ, are they doing this radical thing as well? And I know many of you are, but I'm guessing many of us are not. And it's time to repent. How is your own evangelism? If you're concerned about the wholeness of people as Jesus was, how is your own commitment to seeking and saving those that are lost? Has it waned over the years? Has it changed? You were excited at one time and now you're giving yourself an exception that the Word of God does not give? If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we're not following Jesus and doing what Jesus calls us to do, what are we really? Have you just become disciples of discipleship? Have we just become people who have gotten comfortable to come to church on a Sunday? Or maybe on a Wednesday and we give our contribution and and, and, and we, we do all the right things, except we're not involved in it. Are you doing the will of God in your own life? These are just a few examples that Jesus shows us here of the will of God. The will of God is spelled out clearly in the Scriptures. And those things that you're not sure about, God make it clear it obvious. We've all prayed those prayers and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he opens the door, sometimes he shuts the door. I don't know how it all works. And maybe you feel like you're waiting right now for the will of God to be shown in your life. And, and I would just encourage you to continue to be patient and wait and let God do his work. But the most, the, the most incredible part I find from this passage is back in in the, in, in the verse we've been focused on, verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, the most important part in my mind is that we have a choice. That God in heaven gives us an opportunity to do His will. He could do it without us but yet He chooses to give us the chance to do His will. This is an incredible act of grace on His part. You have a choice. Not because Shia LaBeouf says to, just do it. Whatever he's trying to pull out of his hand, I didn't get all that, that whole, that's, I don't know what that was. But you get to choose. Don't choose the world and its emptiness and... <coughs> and how meaningless it is, and how it will leave you just like that, wanting more and empty in your own life if you choose it. 
embrace the grace that God is tell you and give you a choice to choose Him and 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 respond to the love He's shown us in Jesus. It's amazing that the perfect God shows us His will in His Word, and He's made He's made it available to you and to me with all of my flaws. God gives me a choice. Let's choose to do His will here on the peninsula. Amen, church.